Hello and welcome to The Good, The Dad and The Ugly, the podcast by dads, for dads, and for anyone else interested in the topic of fatherhood. We think becoming a dad is a pretty fucking big deal. Maybe the biggest deal you'll ever go through as a man. The problem is that blokes are not always that good at talking about stuff and sharing their feelings. So we're here to redress the balance. But don't worry, it's not bloody mum's net. This is blokes talking about stuff. Important stuff. Dad stuff. The good and the ugly sides of it. I'm Seth, a first-time dad, and I'll be joined by my pal, Jamie, a soon-to-be dad, along with a different guest on each episode. And this is essentially our month-by-month account of what we're going through and what's on our minds as we foray into these unfamiliar, joyful, and often choppy waters. Choppy waters. Choppy waters. Hello everyone, welcome back. This is episode three of The Good, The Dad and The Ugly, the fatherhood podcast. As ever, Jamie's here. Hey. We're um, here again in, in your studio. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, we said last time that this was my studio, but I've got to be in trouble with work because this is not my studio, it's my work studio. Green Rock, for all your production and TV editing needs, <laughs> uh, Green Rock, Hart Fitzrovia. Come visit. So, can I just say you're looking very well rested? You say that, but I actually, I have a cat which wakes me up at 5.30 every single morning by jumping on my head for it to be fed, which doesn't bode well for fatherhood, I reckon, because we haven't been able to... We're basically at the mercy of this cat. This cat dictates mine and Nat's lives by demanding to be fed at 5.30. We haven't trained it well, and I'm now worried that our parenting skills are kind of... uh, I'm going to be up to... Well, I can, I can reassure you to some extent because I can say for sure that a baby, a newborn baby at least, is not going to uh, jump on your head in the morning. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's true, but it will cry. Yeah, it will cry. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we've been quite lucky because Eliza, it turns out, and I should touch wood here, she's been quite a good sleeper up to now. So, Yeah, but how old is she? Uh, she is almost eight weeks. Right. So I'm basically a dab hand now. I feel like I should get some kind of award. I swear the amount of people I hear at this sort of stage going, yeah, we've cracked it. We've cracked it. It's a, our baby just sleeps. And then it gets to about three months and they go, yeah, our baby just isn't sleeping. I wouldn't get too cocky. No, no. I, am, I have that in the back of my head. So every time I say Eliza's a good sleeper, I do that touch wood thing. <laughs> he is actually, that is actually the sound of him touching wood. Yeah, oh, hang on. <laughs> no way. We don't in that sense. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. This is a family-friendly family, podcast. Yeah. So, and, but you've had your 20-week scan we have, as well. Yeah, 20-week scan. How, yeah, because I I, 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 as I've said this before, like, I found all of the scans really terrifying. Yeah, no, I didn't. Because I, but the, so let me just explain why. Because I, I, just, I mean, maybe this is just like sort of a, a pessimism that other people don't have. And there was, no, I should say as well, there was no reason for us to think that there was anything wrong. But every time I was in that room... With the, with the machine going and stuff and, the, you know, the checking for the baby's toes and all that kind of stuff. I was, like, terribly worried that they were going to say, oh, yeah, like, there's something wrong. Yeah, I guess there was. I guess there was that moment where you kind of, where you just kind of wait for them to go, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And you go, oh, okay, cool. I don't know. I just find, I found the scans really, uh, kind of, I wanted to be more overwhelmed. I'm not saying they're underwhelming because that would be, that would be wrong. They were, they, they, they were a big thing, but they weren't. They were whelming. They weren't whelming, Yeah. That were, no, I guess they were to, yeah. to a certain extent. They were whelming. They, they were, weren't underwhelming. They weren't overwhelming. Yeah. They were just whelming. 
I think. But yeah, I just found it. I mean, it was. Um, I didn't cry. Uh, Nat really wanted me to cry, and I didn't cry. So we're going to kind of move on shortly. But before we do, I just wanted to kind of get some official business out of the way, which is to say that. If you like what we're doing with this podcast and you want to help us out, it would be really, really great if you could go onto iTunes and subscribe, obviously, and rate and review the show um, and spread the word by sort of telling your friends and stuff. Yeah, and Twitter. And we now have a Twitter account and a Facebook account. And you can find both of them at GoodDadUgly on both Facebook and Twitter. So come say hi, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just on the subject, actually, because it's occurred to me now, yeah. um, Jamie's very hot on checking out who's looking at our podcast where and stuff and you can't really tell whether it's jamie's mum or my mum but you can tell where people are and we've got like a remarkably high level of listenership in sudan yeah the second highest behind the uk <laughs> our second highest listenership is sudan so big up sudan big up sudan okay so with that out the way i'm going to crack on and introduce our guest for this episode <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? So that's uh, Jerry Bujo. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Hi, guys. Um, I'll do, I'll kind of give a little introduction to Jerry because, um, you know, he's an esteemed guest. Jerry is an investment banker. Um, wanker. Although for the. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Wanker. No, I just said wanker. Well, like, wanker. I was going to say, you spoiled the joke. So <laughs> oh, I was no, going to say, I'm sorry. I was going to say, this is a joke that, um, that Tom oh, furnished right. me with, which is, I was going to say, for the purposes of today's chat, we might say an investment wanker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then obviously, and why is that? Well, then I was going to introduce the fact that you know Jerry's here partly to talk about IVF. Yeah. And obviously, I'm assuming that there's some auto kind of stimulation that goes on in. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, no, there very much is. <laughs> I, I mean, before any of this, I always used to say investment banker wanker anyway because. It's, but now it's factually correct. Yeah, now, yeah. I mean, it's always factually correct, actually, right, I mean, yeah. since about the age of 12. But So, yeah, so I've kind of given part of the game away. So Jerry is the father of a daughter, Uma, via IVF. And also, you are a stepdad as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. First question, what's it like being a stepdad? Yeah, it's great, to be honest. I mean, um, the thing is, I guess... When people say stepdad, I think people have this idea of, you know, being, being the stepfather of a kid who's maybe like in their teens or something and coming in. And the thing with me is, is that my stepdaughter, I've, I've kind of been with since she was one. So I think that definitely changes that dynamic, I think. So what's her name? Sorry, Elise. Elise. Oh, Elise. Elise, yeah, sorry. Elise, she's four and a half. She's almost five, actually. And uh, she's just, yeah, a very special kid. And I think one of the great things about being a stepparent is there's a... Uh, there's not as much kind of responsibility, really. You can be a, a lot more yeah. kind of carefree as a parent, but obviously you love that kid. And uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just a it's it's, it's a different dynamic, but it's it's very it's very uh, rewarding. Rewarding, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to clarify as well, you were a stepdad first yeah, before yeah. you had Uma, your biological daughter. Exactly. Yeah. Do both Uma and Liz call you dad or is there no no so Elise Elise calls me Jerry and uh, she really knows and this was always important to us obviously but she knows who her father is and and she's coming to terms with you know what the whole family dynamics about I mean I'm quite lucky in a sense because my wife has her own stepfather who she's very close to as well and so I guess Elise sees that whole dynamic already in her mother it doesn't make her feel 
like this isn't that normal actually so you know and both her you know her stepfather and her father get on very well and, yeah. and so it's, it's actually quite a positive family like modern family environment that she's got and it's the same I, I like to think in, in, in our situation as well so it's yeah it's, yeah it's important I guess it's really important yeah. if you're going to have you know let's say like a slightly kind of unconventional uh, like family like that that you do kind of get on with people and make an effort to get yeah, so yeah. do you get on with Elisa's dad yeah 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 he's a great dad I really uh, and uh, yeah he sees he kind of sees her every week and uh, I mean the thing is when as soon as you know kind of kids come into it everything else goes out the window in terms of like you know your adult kind of apprehensions or whatever else and, and agendas I guess like I, there's this one story I was uh, like that where you know once we were picking up Elise after she was with her dad and uh and you know it was quite early in my my wife and I's kind of relationship. It was now my wife, but uh, and um, so a bit you know we're always polite and everything else. But I was standoff standoffish a little bit, and uh, and Elise kind of called me over and kind of grabbed me by the neck and grabbed the father by the neck and just kind of pulled us both together, kind of thing. And it's yeah. and it's it's weird how she kind of sensed it, I guess, but she definitely did. And so how old was she at that she point? She was then? maybe two, two, maybe oh, wow. very young. I mean, yeah, not even two, baby. And so it's kind of weird how kids are, you know, they have this. Yeah, this she gets it. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing. I, I now that I've, I've got Uma, I'm noticing a lot of differences as well, obviously, as you kind of naturally do. And they they couldn't be further apart from one another. I mean, it's it's, it's quite hard because Uma's only fifteen months, so yeah. it's, it's, she, you know she's still developing her character, obviously. But they are very different. Elise kind of dives, she kind of go dives in a deep end kind of thing. She's not scared of anything, and she's very very sociable. And Uma's a bit more kind of uh, she's a she's a, bit shy, a bit more reserved, exactly. So is there? Do you, would you say there's like a difference between the way you you kind of see your your two girls? There, there definitely is. I mean. One of the things is that um, because obviously I'm not Elise's father, but because she's an older sister to to Uma, I can see already that you know Uma looks looks up to Elise a lot, and and she gets stuff from Elise that neither her mother or I could give her really and she kind of she, when she walks to her room Elise makes Uma laugh like neither her mum or I can it's really quite special like she's quite sweet and just because of that in itself it, it makes me you know want to protect and love you know Elise you know all the more kind of selfishly because I know that she's because you know if you're a good influence a good thing for exactly. Uma yeah as a sibling right yeah. and siblings are almost almost more important I mean you can't let them parents because they're, they're there longer if you see what I mean and yeah. you know they and, and so you know they're like, they're like friends as well and so because I obviously want the best for, for Uma it makes me want only the best for Elise as well just so I know that she's as happy as possible and she's you know giving that kind of guidance to her younger especially because they're very different you mm. know girls so it's a different dynamic but it, it makes me look after look, look over uh, you know Elise kind of equally but in that kind of different way if that makes sense So getting on to kind of, you know, areas that are obviously, you know, a bit more sort of sensitive and stuff. Yeah. When you got together with your with Saskia, now yeah. wife, yeah. Sass, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you knew at that stage that she um, wouldn't be able to conceive in a conventional way. Yeah, yeah. So was that an issue for you? No, not at all. No, no. I mean, uh, the thing is, it's cause, because, again, because cause there was Elise, you know, and Elise, is like I keep saying, she's such a great kid, that... It just made it seem totally kind of doable, normal in a way. And, and so I wasn't worried or... I mean, because it's know. quite a big thing it's if someone, when you meet yeah. someone and they yeah. tell you, I guess, yeah. that they, they, you know, they can't yeah. necessarily conceive in a, you know, in a conventional way to kind of 
you're right. It is actually, it is. And I never thought that I wouldn't conceive naturally. I just didn't cross my mind. I guess you have these preconceived ideas of, of how you're going to conceive, maybe how become a father or whatever else. And that kind of goes out the window, actually. And, yeah. uh, and, and it was all, I knew nothing about IVF. And, and it was all a big kind so, of learning, you know, learning experience. Yeah, because I, I expect that quite a lot of the people yeah. listening won't really know that much about what IVF involves. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps you can kind of break it down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really quite a may. I mean, a real kind of miracle. You hear that kind of thing. It's really amazing science. But and this country actually pioneered uh, pioneered it really like in the late seventies. But basically, what it is uh, is the woman takes all this kind of medication to heighten, you know, during her cycle, the amount of eggs that that she kind of creates yeah. in a in, you know in her womb. And the thing is that so so women kind of have a finite number of eggs they have in their lifetime. I didn't know this, right? And every month they generally kind of uh, between cycles have one or two eggs kind of thing that get created and but during IVF these drugs that, that what a woman takes basically um like I said, you, you get a concentrated amount of eggs in that in that one kind of menstrual cycle. Yeah. And so it's about firstly doing that, and then then the the there's egg collection. So they once that's done, you go to the clinic. They they collect the eggs, and then they mix them with your sperm to create embryos right. outside in a, in a kind of petri dish, right, in the lab. And then then those embryos kind of fertilize, and after a few days, you get kind of embryos that are ready to to be reimplanted into the woman to then you know hopefully get them pregnant so it's quite a kind of involved process particularly for the for the woman definitely yeah yeah yeah. exactly that whole process to kind of recreate that cycle where you get as many eggs as possible involves lots of injections lots of drugs yeah it's just a miracle how how it kind of works and i don't really know science behind it but that that kind of is possible and so just going back to what um you were sort of saying about your particular experience. So yeah. you, you harvested the eggs and stuff and, and went through the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happened? So we actually, we've been through two rounds of IVF. So the first one we went through, uh, we assessed the, the drugs and everything else. And then we, she collected, we collected 11 eggs and then, and then mixed it with my sperm. And then uh, we, we had three embryos and then we put one in and she was pregnant, but then miscarried. And then um, that was a few weeks later. Right. And then... Um, you know, we were talking about the scan initially, and, yeah. and, and at that point, you know, we, we were so excited. She was yeah. pregnant. We were sure it was going to work as well. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, we didn't even think of the, the idea of miscarriage didn't come across our minds actually, and that's another big topic, right? Because actually, there's so many miscarriages that that, that, that I mean, I think the stats we were told one in three. I've heard one in four, whatever couples go through you know, experience. I know loads of couples who do, and often it's not talked. The people don't talk about it, right? So yeah, it's, sure. Yeah. It's it's especially the. Yeah, it's the same with IVF. People don't talk enough about it, but they are more, more every day, more and more. You know, people, and that's you know, that's a great thing about this podcast. I think is that, you know, people, these things because it can only help, right, into discussing. Hundred percent. Yeah. So we went in for that scan. It was after seven weeks. Is that it, what it is? Is that the seven, it's seven weeks right, after so you have the so you IVF? You have more scans, I guess. When yeah, you yeah, yeah. There's a lot of scans. Yeah, exactly. But sorry, just to come back, when you do the that whole egg collection and then you reimplant. If they're pregnant on that day, you're one month. You're one month in, basically. Oh right. wow! So, yeah. so they've already had a month in the petri dish. Exactly. Well, it, it's only it's only a few days. No, but yes. in in their, you know, relatively. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you're kind of a month pregnant at that point, and so then you wait a few more weeks, only a couple, only three more weeks, for example, and then you you have your seven week scan, and we went in, and there was no heartbeat, and then mm. and then it started dawning on us actually, you know, it, 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 she's miscarried, right? And that that is. Um, that's a massive head fuck. And also the other thing about IVF is very statsy, yeah? So 
you literally, when you're in the clinic, you go and talk to the doctor. He he'll, he'll input your age, your your you know your wife's age, your, your, the the quality of your sperm, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they'll yeah. give you a number, like a, like what percentage chance you have of conceiving. Right. Wow. Off a, and so off a fresh cycle, i.e., when they implant, just when they when the embryo has been created, as opposed to frozen, because the stats are higher than when they freeze the embryo. So what happens is we put one in and then we froze two embryos right yeah. and as soon as you freeze them then the stats go down to then conceive later on down the line right? and how long can you keep them frozen for, for years for really? years yeah 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 wow. for years yeah. often people implant two or from a fresh cycle to give themselves the best chance actually because yeah. again the stats are better from a fresh cycle yeah. and then you but you obviously have to accept the fact that you may have twins so we've already sort of discussed that it's quite an involved process for the woman yeah for the man, you know, that what you it's, have, it's, yeah. you have to go and give sperm, right? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, that's... that's I mean, is this the first time you've done that? Uh, like yeah. give it, <laughs> giving sperm in a medical way? Yes, yes, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. I'm just trying to think. I can't remember if, they, if I had to do it before to analyse it. But yeah, no, you go in a little room and, uh, and you know, you've got to have a wank, basically. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I, yeah, I've done it twice because for each round you've got to do it, yeah. And it was, I mean, how is it? Is it, is it, it must the, be quite a weird experience. It is a bit weird. Obviously, it is quite surreal. You're in this room, but I think, you know, it's. It, what was the porn like? Well, that's the, the first time I didn't use any. Uh, I didn't even know that it was porn there the first time. So you time. just used the wank bank? Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> wank bank's full, and, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going, I was going to say it's thriving there, but no, I mean, it's. it's uh, and then, obviously, then the second time, I did notice that the pedestal and there was some in there, but the thing is, it's almost seedier, kind of, or not seedier, but it's kind of dirty touching it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't really need it. So, so it was just magazines. It wasn't like a video or anything. No, no, just magazines. Yeah, okay. yeah, kind of weird ones as well. I mean, not weird, but it's just a bit, a bit. If seen of eighties, I guess. I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I seem to remember. But, but yeah, no, both times I just kind oh, of. Oh, must be really encrusted. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's all online. Right? I mean, you do. You, Is where, it? I don't know. <laughs> so they don't have like a computer set. Up no, there. they do. It's all it's magazines, which is you that's bring why, in your that's login why I said eighties or what? Chrome 90s incognito even. window set. <laughs> but you don't need it there. You don't need an incognito window. No, it's just you can go on. It's legit. Just one on. legitimate time. <laughs> they've, got, they've got bookmarks. It's fine. Yeah. You just go through. You, you didn't have a problem. No. Because no. I imagine some people would sort of, you know, um, freeze up a little bit at mm. the prospect of having to beat off in a yeah. room I with think... someone standing outside waiting. Yeah. And sort of knocking, knocking the door on the door. Says, Sorry, there's I'll someone you... else out here. Can you I'll hurry you up? I'll tell you what went through my mind. It's just, this is, and I don't know if you can include this actually, but I'll just say it and you can decide later. But We're definitely including no, it. No, 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 no. no but Tom, write this down. With, <laughs> to include. No, no. So, because you're doing it, and obviously, the thing is, they give you a little, uh, a little cup to kind of put it in. And the thing is, I wasn't going to, you know, aim at the cup type thing. So I just, you know. How would you do What were you going to do? Just like squirt on the floor and then like no, pick no, it up? No, no, no. You know, just on my kind of stomach and then kind of scoop it up. Type thing. But what went through my mind? Jesus. That's, that's got to be normal, no? That's got to be normal, no? I don't know. Like, no, I'll tell you sure. what went through my well, mind. That's normal for like a normal wank, but like for like a clinical wank, well, surely I'll... you have to try to get it all in the cup. No, but I did. That was a second step for me kind of thing. It was right. just do a normal wank and then just, you know, scoop it up. But th what was going through my mind was that was that I kind of, I had deodorant on, right? And I was thinking, is the deodorant going to mess with the sperm? Mm, right, okay, have, yeah, I actually yeah, wrote yeah, it yeah. on the form. They asked you, there's a bit on the form, it says to you, uh, you know, was there any thing wrong with it when you wank kind of process and i wrote in deodorant like maybe is that going to tamper with you know the sperm and actually might affect things when it's mixed with the eggs so i mean like yeah it was a bit of a crazy thought to go through really yeah. you could end you up with like some kind of like kind of, 
superhero yeah. baby that like smells really fresh right, like, yeah. always. And the uh, funny thing is, I, I think I told Sass, right? And this is literally the only thing the guy has to do right, right? Uh, the only thing he has to get right. And I think I told her the deodorant thought that went through my mind, which, I, which in high, and they told me it was ridiculous to think that, whatever. But she was disappointed, I think, for a second. She was like, oh, for fuck, so you can't even get that right kind of thing. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. so, it's true, everything else is on the woman, really. So again, you guys were talking about it the other day, the, how unfair the process is. I wanted to ask you specifically about the time that you kind of... Um, when you were locked outside of your house as a <laughs> little kid, because it just ties into this story. When, yeah, just... in terms of you asking if I have a problem wanking, you know, I said, yeah, one, I mean, uh, I, when I was a kid and uh, I was locked out of my house, I just kind of, I just <laughs> had a wank, basically, you, because I was, well, I was waiting for the... You, you had know, a wank on, on your doorstep? Yeah, on my doorstep, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But again, I just, I, I mean... <laughs> well, 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 uh, do you, do you, was it that's like, obviously not normal. Sh- I didn't realise that. No, but I don't know if it's normal. <laughs> I was a bit bored. And I, I think, think it was just brazen. It was, it was, was brazen. it not busy, too busy a street then? Like it the, wasn't, no. And I was, it, was, it, was, it was when you're very, you know, when you're very young, as you just, I must have been maybe 14, 15, and you're just kind of wanking a lot, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. Well, and yeah, so, and so you're kind of experimenting, I guess. And it was just, it just happened, really. You thought, can I get away with this? Yeah, and the thing is, it's... Um, that is... My, my mate used to do this, uh, who shall remain <laughs> nameless, used to do something called the danger wank, which was he'd be upstairs in his room, and then he'd just shout, Mom, can you come up here? And then he'd have to try and finish no before way. she came up into the no bedroom. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is, so weird. That is, that, yeah, that is, that's also quite wrong, because you, you, you just said your exactly, mum, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. His mum was quite fit, to be fair. I mean, you could do a whole... No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> you've really taken this down the, into the gutter. <laughs> that's dangerous, because, like, that's you know, exactly. like the, the dad could be walking past just at the same time and right, saying, don't worry, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. Ah, uh, and then he said, ah, uh, the danger wank. Uh, right, Carry yeah, on, son. Okay. <laughs> I've taught you well. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know this, that you can take your partner, potentially, into the... Wanking yeah, room. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. To uh, yeah. Facilitate the. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I, 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 told me, yeah. And, and yeah, you can. I guess, and that, that's, you know, probably quite a good help for, you know, for those that. And probably, you, you say that, like, it's probably just easier just to get it done. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, just go, I've like, got this. I've got this. Totally. Don't worry. I've I done know what. <laughs> this is my. I know what works. <laughs> I'll be out in five minutes. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Less than that, yeah. You're yeah. just, you're just going to muddle things and just, it doesn't, this is unnecessary. <laughs> Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com so yeah i just wanted to uh go back to what you were saying about the the first time that you tried the ivf and obviously you had the the miscarriage yeah 
Um, and then, but you had two frozen yeah. embryos. Exactly. So you got two frozen embryos, and, and I was like, oh, well, this is great because you could just literally you go back into the clinic and they put one back in. It's really quite easy. But obviously, like I was saying, the stats are not as good for getting pregnant then. So we did one, it didn't take. And then we waited another month or something and we did the other one and it didn't take either. And then at that point, you were oh, shit, you got to go through another cycle again, which... So you... and, then, and But you were kind of like, you know, certain that you... Like, this is what... We're going to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no doubt. I mean, there's obviously a... a there's a financial element to it. Um, right, so you, you, you paid for it privately. Yeah, then. yeah, exactly. I paid for it privately. I mean, mainly because you don't want to waste any time, actually. And uh, also the funding I mean it's very uh, it's very inconsistent throughout the country about funding it's a whole minefield in itself I think some boroughs or constituencies kind of fund one round of IVF and then if you have a child they won't fund the second one Right. and some boroughs don't fund it at all it's wow. very inconsistent but the point is because Elise was there we didn't even look into it really because we just wanted to get on with it and I think you know if you go down the NHS route which obviously most people do but you, you haven't got time on your side I think that's one of the kind of sad things really so but because we just want to crack on for it yeah we yeah, we, we went privately and and um, and I think you kind of really obviously you and like Saskia took the decision to like really like sort of take it super seriously yeah and sass like quit her job basically. oh yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah because it's quite like you're saying it, a lot there's a lot of scans like literally every other day or something you're going in for a scan while you're doing the injections and going through the round it's quite a toll on the woman as well she, and sass was, uh, was working so she would have to kind of take longer lunch breaks etc it's just really and it's, it's kind of emotionally and not conducive is it yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah that's exactly the right word i mean it's exactly you want to be in the right frame of mind and everything and so yeah second round we just thought you know what let's do this apply ourselves even more and she quit her it's just a real commitment yeah to, to do that yeah i mean we were really fortunate that she could do that if i'm honest i mean like i think it's 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 hard if you you know it's it's hard enough as it is but we were lucky we were very i mean we we, we always consider ourselves very lucky but yeah so she she um she did quit her, her job and, and yeah, it was just a lot more focused as well on, on her diet. She was reading a lot more about it and like kind of vitamins she was taking and acupuncture is a big thing as well that helps. So all these kind of soft things that the clinic doesn't tell you because they're, they're really wary about telling you stuff like that actually because yeah. they're really about the science and the stats. Again, they don't want to give you false hope or whatever. But, I mean, they do point you a bit in the right direction, but this stuff does help. And actually, Sass, the second round, managed to get 16 eggs. Right. right. Okay. Wow. Is that a lot? Is that, like, yeah. higher than average? Yeah, I mean, we were, she was, you know, 30, 36. So, it's, you know, and like I said, the older, these numbers are only going one way. They're only yeah. going downhill, right? So it is a bit of a race against the time. And, and so, yeah, it, it was, I think that's not that, that normal we need to have. But, but because, like I said, she applied herself, and there's a, there's a lot in that kind of um did you have to do anything special like no. do you have to like you know i mean i'm sure you're a healthy man but you, you don't smoke or anything yeah, like that. No, yeah no you're, you're you you don't actually as a man at all really i mean you get your sperm checked and you know that was fine and how I was mean, that uh <laughs> that's fine yeah i mean i'm laughing but it's not you know this that's the thing and i think that's why one of the issues sorry come back on this why couples don't talk that openly about ivf often it's because something isn't right in the couple either it's the woman or it's the man you know there's something or just together it's not clicking yeah. it's a lot I mean Sass had her tubes removed so there is no option but to have we didn't have an option and this was yeah. before you guys met this yeah yeah happened. exactly yeah. She, she exactly. in fact that's that's how Elise was conceived exactly yeah so we've always been quite open about talking about this and I think we're quite uh, it's easy for us to do that I think if, if my sperm count was low I mean 
I think I'd be, I mean, I like to think I'd be fine about talking about it, but it, it's true that the, there are these preconceived kind of social pressures almost, or, you know, mm. that, that make it difficult. And it just doesn't help anyone not talking about these things. Cause there's like shooting blanks and things like that. All yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. yeah. Yeah. Those kind of, Jokes. Yeah. People throw. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Playground. <laughs> yeah. Not the school playground, perhaps. That's you right. a bit. Like, Going around the school playground, playground, talking about sperm much or not? No. No, okay. But that's the thing is, is infertility. It's a disease, actually, and, it's, right. and it impacts one in, apparently, one in six couples. And it's really, uh, it, it affects them. Well, it has a real stigma to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because like, it's sort of like supposed to be, you know, your biological kind of, like, it's what we're built for, right? Isn't yeah. it to reproduce? So that's you know that's what we're kind of brought up to sort of believe or so think. It's and nature. So, yeah. yeah, it's nature. So if you can't perform the most sort of fundamental, and it's true, um, the the amount of times guys, you know, when their missus gets pregnant, they're like, "We're first time, you know, my yeah, yeah, super yeah. sperm." Exactly. Yeah, I know a few people actually. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't for me, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 totally you're you're totally right. There is definitely that stigma and that kind of like. But I think yeah, exactly. I think it's it is about, about luck, really. I mean, you can be unlucky and just have something not quite right with you or whatever. Mm. And it's not fair that and I'm not saying society makes fun of it, but I think people, I think they do. Yeah, I think they yeah, do. they do. Maybe, and, yeah. but at least people who are going through that probably feel that they do and therefore can't talk about it as openly. Yeah, and you know, and that, uh, probably that that you know contributes to people not being able to to conceive naturally just the anxiety of of like you know the social kind of anxiety or totally. pressure i think you're right i think it might delay things and again a lot of this is a race against time so it might delay you know talking about it more openly finding new things like there's i think there are kits now you could buy online for just to test your sperm for example at home you know if you think that something's not working because you might be going down except doing something and it's not working for however long and not getting it checked out or whatever and that's the thing is often we don't seek advice soon enough because we're sure we know better or whatever and it's one of those things that like you know you get to a certain stage where it's kind of like you don't have many options left and you think well if i just talked or just dealt with this or just asked about it sort of a little bit sooner you know and then you're in a position where it's too late so yeah yeah i, I just wanted to kind of cut in there with a, an interesting statistic actually i've got no like way of verify whether this is true it's oh just dr seth back in the no, building no, 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 yeah no. which is that after the first ivf baby people have um an ivf baby uh, or a child via IVF. Um, the second child is often conceived naturally, which is kind of goes back to what we're talking about because yeah. the pressure is sort of off then. Because it's done. You've got, you've had the first child you've and you think, first, well, yeah. Yeah, it's the, it, but it's that, it sort of suggests that it's mm. that social pressure. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, it's funny you said, I know three couples who exactly that's happened to, right? Really? They, wow. Yeah, they, they, for trying for a couple of years, where they're struggling. Did IVF and it kind of, and sometimes it fixes something in the woman or something gets flushed right. out or whatever like it might but it's and the second one was conceived naturally and, uh, and yeah so this. The, there's this um, there's companies sort of that you can go to like in Barbados who basically run sort of like retreats for people who are trying to conceive through IVF and it's all like catered to being like super chilled super relaxing you kind of just go there you have a holiday but you go through the IVF process there so it is like not a hospital but like a clinic but it's in the form of retreats and they their success rate is ridiculous like because yeah. because everyone goes there super chilled yeah, yeah, yeah. not working yeah not the stresses of life yeah. you know eating well yeah. doing all that and yeah oh, it goes to show it goes i to, wonder if people go there and whilst they're there they conceive naturally because yeah, they just yeah i wouldn't get be, I, I, wild every night <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but not with their partner no yeah exactly. <laughs> sorry i conceived naturally but unfortunately it's with this lovely lady i got no, smashed but... last night and didn't know where i ended up and <laughs> So I can't remember whether we touched on this before, but so with the second round, yeah, yeah, you decided. So with the first 
round when, yeah. that you tried, yeah. you went for one embryo yeah. and you froze two. Exactly. The second time round, you decided to put two in. Yeah. Put two in because yeah. it increases the chances. Exactly. Like I didn't clock onto this, and I should normally kind of working in numbers and stuff. I didn't. I just didn't clock. That actually... <laughs> well, that's where the trouble we've got in in this country. Is you don't <laughs> think, do you? That's right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it's that. I, I was like, hang on a minute. It's it, we got a better success rate from a fresh cycle. We should put two in. But yeah. then also we were a bit further down the line, and and yeah. I was we were both more willing to have twins because it's two the maximum i guess it's two no maximum. no you could put more in you could wow. put more, but the, the, actually the, but clinic, get... the clinics generally they um discourage you uh even putting two in because because having twins is actually gets quite risky Can, for the, yeah yeah right, for, right, for right. the mother to conceive but then again people feel that they haven't got enough time and they want to give themselves the best chance so often they do put two in uh, and, and you can still get triplets from that because mm. one can split or whatever. But um, yeah, we did. We put two in, and one took, and one didn't. So actually, it was you know. Were you scared about the possibility of twins? <laughs> no, I mean. Uh, I can't think of anything more terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I, respect to anyone who's got twins, but God, yeah, yeah. respect basically. That's yeah. all I've got to say about that. So Jerry, you guys were lucky enough to be able to afford to to do the IVF treatment privately, but of course, not everybody's able to do that so you know it's fortunate that people are able to um some in some places around the country get this kind of treatment on the nhs mm. but it seems like that's i mean i was just listening to a woman's hour report today um, where they were saying that it's one of the things under the microscope and that um the various kind of CCGs, I think they're called, mm. are sort of making decisions about whether or not they cut mm. NHS in favour of, you know, other treatments, cancer treatments and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, seems like a terrible shame. I mean, this this country pioneered the use of, of IVF. Mm. So, I mean, it seems it does seem kind of desperately unfair that if you're sort of in the wrong area, you just might not be eligible to, to have yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, it is unfair. I think I've I heard that there was a you know some people maybe even moving or considering moving to, to move into an area where they could get IVF on the NHS. But I mean, um, it does seem very unfair. But it's just I I don't know in that whole debate of whether funding you know cancer treatment over IVF. If, yeah. If, if I don't, that's a kind of a moral kind of almost existential conversation. I yeah. Guess. I mean, yeah. What we obviously we we hope is that you know you don't have to make these tough decisions. I mean, yeah. no one's suggesting that we. Uh, prioritize IVF over cancer That's treatments right. yeah. and like there is a I think it's fair to say like a question about whether you know you can consider having IVF to be a kind of a, a human right in the mm. same way that maybe you know the right to stay alive mm-hmm. and and therefore battle cancer um, probably is in that category yeah, totally, yeah. Um, but you know for some people it's like a very real issue it can be very sort of you know hard for lots of people and you don't want to end up in a society where some people are able to, you know, you know, reproduce and other people aren't exactly. just because they can't afford it. I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah. And like you said, because we pioneered it as well, we should be championing it kind of around the world. And yeah, at the minute, it isn't like that. But then again, you know, it's... it's if I, what's, if I, the, what's it... Sorry, just to kind of say... Yeah, kind of what like, what it, did it actually cost you to... to yeah, so it cost, it cost about... Probably about 8,000 or something. Right, Is okay. that per... 
round per round yeah. so you get if in that round you get three embryos yeah. you freeze two and then you yeah. come back and use that embryo it's, yeah then that's included in the yeah i mean there's a fee to for the um implant but not it's not that much and also freezing the embryos does cost but it's like 100 pounds a year or something mm. uh so the real bulk of the cost is in the medication and around all the scans harvesting. and everything else in that yeah in that month exactly in the harvesting in the lab and all that kind of stuff so basically you know what we're saying on this podcast is you know put more money into the nhs yeah. government so saskia actually now so she runs a uh, is it consultancy would you say yeah it's a website mainly because she felt that there wasn't enough information about um infertility and uh, a lot of it it's all about infertility but there's a massive part which is ivf and mm. kind of tips and help on her website what's, um, the, what's the name of the website mybeehive.co.uk and her instagram account is ivf and proud and yeah i and, saw that yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's really cool it's and the cool. hashtag ivf and proud as yeah, well yeah that's right and she's got these little baby tops she's designed with a little kind of chicken that's pulling a little egg kind of oh, thing wicked. and it's true it's just to be proud of it and not kind of uh i'm not saying people are ashamed but just they, i think they they don't necessarily uh, always talk about it that much. But yeah, just to be proud of that. And it's becoming, it really is, just another way of conceiving and becoming a lot more normalised, as it should be. And actually another big part of this, which we haven't really touched on, is, that is actually... Because a lot of people entrust a lot of uh, hope and faith into IVF, for example, and it doesn't always work for everyone. Like, as in, there are lots of instances where they've gone through multiple rounds, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven rounds, and they're just not going to conceive. And yeah, and that is quite tragic in itself, obviously, but it's it's about about dealing with that as well. So, what else has been going on? What's been going on with? Um... Eliza then. But so is Eliza still sleeping in your room? She is still sleeping in yeah. the room, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, it's funny because we were thinking about, well, before she was born, like, you know, you have these kind of conversations about how long they should stay in your room and stuff. And our NCT teacher had said, you know, you really should keep them in, in your room for at least three months, but, you know, you know ideally longer. And um, she was very adamant. She was quite open-minded about lots of things. She was very adamant about that. She said, no, you have to do it. And there were other people in the class who said that they were thinking about giving the baby uh, its own room almost straight away. And um, she was like, no, you, you can't do that. You don't, you, do you even know why you do it? And she sort of, you know, proceeded to explain that, you know, they are very, like you basically being in the same room with, with you helps them learn how to breathe. Like mm. hearing you breathe sort of helps them learn how to breathe. And it kind of reduces things like cot death and stuff, not to be too morbid. So for all those reasons, we were, well, we're definitely going to have her in there for a, for a while, but like we'll see after three months. Mm. But she's, and again, touch wood, she's been a very, very good sleeper. Yeah. So, But she's up in the night, I guess. She gets up once. Wow. She like, normally gets up like once in the night. <laughs> we'll put her down at like 11. Yeah. She'll get up maybe at like five or six. Yeah, like my cat. Wow. You know, there are bad days and stuff where it's not, it doesn't work so well. But um, no, generally it's like really, it's really good. So... Yeah, yeah you... so we don't really... We've got no plans to kind of kick her out into her own no. room yet. Jamie, so what else is going on with you and Nat at the moment? Well, you know, we had our 20-week scan, obviously, and, I mean, we're not far away from being a third trimester. I mean, literally, time has flown, and it's kind of, like, freaked us both out a little bit that it's sort of, like, really, you know, just over three months to go, whereas everything was a bit of a, you know... A distant thing i could put it to the back of my mind not back of my mind but kind of go yeah but that's miles away do you know what i mean whereas now it's kind of like oh no things are you know the fact that we're painting the nursery and like next next weekend or whatever and that's like you know 
everyone, <laughs> loads of our friends were saying, so let's go, let's go to this thing, let's go for dinner, let's go pie. And we had to say, no, we can't actually, because we're, uh, yeah, we're painting the, uh, the spare room nursery. So uh, what yeah, we've got that planned. A neutral colour. Grey, like gray. a light grey. Yeah, we're going to do a light grey with white and a bit of yellow. Like as in yellow, not on the walls, but like yellow bits and bobs around the place just to kind of go. We, we found some nice things on Pinterest, which we liked. Yeah, and right. we kind of like, you know, want to copy them. But you know what we did do? And this is quite, went to Farrell and Ball to yeah. get the, uh, the paint samples. Right. Going to decide which one. Then just go home base and get them to mix it up the same colour. Great. For like, a, like yeah, no yeah, money yeah. at all. Cornforth, Cornforth White is a good one. No, ours is Elephant Breath. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> elephant like, Breath. Elephant. Like, That's honestly, go on. I, t- I tell you what, right, this is hilarious. Go on the Farrow and Ball website yeah. and just look at the names yeah, yeah, they yeah, give yeah, their yeah. paints. It's true. It's like a like, uh, mole sigh, <laughs> like um, rabbit blink. Yeah. Is like, that actually true? Mole yeah, yes. Yeah, I swear. Um, there's some, definitely something about mole. I don't know. But elephant breath is 100% because we've got yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like just ridiculous, like mole fart or something like, <laughs> like ridiculous. They're so pretentious. But I think they're having a bit of a laugh with them as well, some of them. But then you just go home base and just go, yeah, I want that colour. And they'll mix it up for you. And it's but you like, know, again, tenth of the price. What you were saying about the DIY, I mean, I'm useless. I can't drill a thing. And mm. it, to the point where now, you know, even Elise, when there's something that he's putting up, basically we, there's a handyman called Seymour that we get around every so often. And so when it's just like literally like a, <laughs> <laughs> like a frame to put up, you know, Elise will go, oh, let's get Seymour around. You know, and I'm just standing there like, you know, completely. Mate, the worst is when Nat says to me, when I'm halfway through, in it, yeah. through doing it and I'm like, oh, do you know what? This is actually a lot tougher than the thought. And I'll look at it and I'm measuring it up and I'm kind of going, but I can do it. Do it. And I was like, oh, it's not going in. Nat would just turn to me and go, should we phone your dad? <laughs> and I'm telling you, there nothing gets me more angry than that because he would just come around and go, yeah, you've got to do it like this. Yeah, bang, 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 done. Whereas yeah. I'm there kind of going, yeah. okay, uh, and what's the square root of seven? Um, because then that's how far it needs to be from the wall. I, you see, because I'm a bit like that as well. Like I, you know, I'm not a great, I'm not terrible, but I'm not, great at doing DIY yeah but I quite like getting my dad round I quite like him sort of taking some of the burden yeah it it, it sort of backfired the last time (laughs) when we were putting up the shelves in the baby room he mismeasured something so the shelves that were supposed to be dead on the centre like he did all the precise measurements and stuff came and put them up and I was like hang on a minute those aren't in the middle of the wall they're all over to the side he was like oh well I I definitely measured it up and then Turned out that, like, well, obviously, obviously, he'd, he'd mismeasured something, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a complete disaster, yeah. My dad, I, I built a shed the other day on my own, and that was quite a triumph. And I didn't get my dad round, although I probably should have done because one of the doors doesn't really open, but yeah, like when you and it's a bit of a project, your dad comes around and does it. I get, yeah. I totally get that, but I just feel really inadequate because I just sit there and go, yeah. um, do you want me to pass you that drill bit? No, no, what you need to do, mate, is learn, yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. That's still dads are still useful. Yeah, it's true. This is the but you know one of the reasons why we do this. Yeah. So we're still we're useful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm just worried the first time someone's gonna ask me to change a plug, because I still don't know how to do that. Oh no. But apparently you know what, what you we... mean like unplug something and plug no. something else in. <laughs> like change a plug when a plug's yeah. fuse or whatever. Yeah, I know, right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um no, but you know apparently you know what's wicked for tips like that for anyone out there, dads, anyone, mum's net. <laughs> Mum's net apparently is amazing for like how to the DIY, plug, how to yeah for because it's you know for like just basics like you know your radiator is leaking how to how to bleed the radiator. It's true. Just go on Mum's net. How to unblock a, unblock a sink? I was on there the other day for unblocking a sink. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Big up Mum's net again. So talking about you know what dads can kind of bring to the table. Yeah. Jamie, like, what's the latest dad tech you've been looking at? Ah, oh, so this is the time for. 
Dad tech. This is dad tech time. Papa's got a brand new bag. So this week, I'm going to feature uh, something which isn't really tech, but it's, it's cool for dads and, and mums as well. But it's a set of albums by a company called Rockabye Baby. Um, and you can go to their website, which is rockabyebabymusic.com. And basically, it's a load of uh, albums of rock and, I guess, uh, indie uh, artists, but redone and recomposed in the style of lullabies for your awesome. uh, for your kids. So um, what they say on their website is that, in short, Rockabye Baby makes rock music baby-friendly and kids' music adult-friendly. So it's quite interesting, That's actually. Good. And, um, good little tagline. Yeah, and, it's, and I got a couple of albums for Christmas from my parents, and, and then I kind of thought, well, what else are there? I got a David Bowie one and a White Stripes one. And it's really cool, because like, wow. like, it's your favorite tracks by these artists. Yeah. And yeah, I think my favourites are like Radiohead. There's like some really good Radiohead ones there. Yeah. And the Nirvana ones are cool. The Metallica ones are wicked. Because it's proper still got the melody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, you know, you could easily put your baby to sleep. And if you're in the room with them at the time, and you can rock out. You can just kind of like kind of go, oh, this is kind of cool. That's like, a great you know, idea. Yeah, it's because really there's good. a because a lot of the normal classical lullabies they're a bit wank, really, aren't they? And you they? know some them like, off by heart. Yeah. You like can go crazy with them. And they're a bit. Some of them are meaningless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the songs. Oh. Maybe some of the readers, but I, I mean, mean, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. What the fuck does that? Mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly. the same fucking composition as Bar Bar Black Sheep. Yeah. So they're having us there. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> So again, that's rockabybabymusic.com. I hear actually that you, Jerry, had an idea for a bit of tech uh, with the drippy cock and your solution <laughs> on that. Is that a bit Shall of dad we? tech? Hang on. <laughs> Guess dad tech. Is it dad tech? No, I mean... That sounds gross, first of all. Yeah, what please... All right, it, it all came about because a friend of mine was saying how drippy cock, it was a term that he made up for when he goes to the urinal and, you know, there's a bit of remnants left. And, you know, when he when he's finished, he puts his penis back in his boxes and inevitably there's a, there's a few droplets that come out. Yeah. And I was like, actually, that happens to me. And I was like, yeah, this is quite a common thing, actually. And people don't really talk about it much. But yeah, then I thought I thought I thought it might be a good idea to kind of redesign the boxer short totally, you know, and uh, and uh, and and invent a boxer short that kind of dealt with that, you know, somehow had some padding there. And um, so you're talking about some kind of absorbent absor- thing yes. to soak up the piss, so that you <laughs> essentially have pads that are like soaked, soaked in, in piss. I know, yeah. When it put like that, it does sound properly rank, yeah. But, but can you change the lining? Is it like into? Is it like disposable? I mean, look, I, I, you I, I fleshed out the details. You, you yeah. have not thought this through. I did build a prototype. No, it, you didn't. Yeah, it did. It, it, well, Sass kind of let me uh, <laughs> one of her, one of her tampax basically, and, and put it on my boxer short and wow. carried it for me for the day, and it worked a treat actually. But I kind of got laughed off a lot. But I, I, I thought it was. I'm, I'm surprised. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> I thought it wasn't a bad idea, to be honest. And we even had a name for it. It was Drip Dry Boxer Shorts. Now I'm in. The fact that you've got a name for it, now I'm, now I'm sold. Just kind of surveying you two, is, is this something you've experienced or not really? No. Because you drip, drippy cock. Um, I just sort of make sure that I give it a good old, you know, it, shake. It, it, well, it never, as much as you, someone said, as much as you shake and dance, 
some will always end up on your pants. There you go. There's even a saying. I didn't even know that saying. There, there's I can't remember there. I heard that. But that's the thing. You can spend however long, a minute, trying to get it all out. And then invariably just like... You know what? I kind of think that piss isn't that bad, really. Yeah, it Do you is. Know, piss is like sterile, isn't it? So like, you're not going to... I mean, a lot, unless, you're wearing, unless you're wearing chinos and then it, it shows. Right, and right. Then you're it like, does. Oh, it can go yeah. through and it's just a bit uncomfortable. Okay, yeah, well, that's, that's not ideal. But that, that means if it goes through your boxes yeah. and then onto and, your chinos, yeah. that's just you pissing yourself. <laughs> as as yeah. 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 Okay, so that's it for this most recent episode of The Good, The Dad and The Ugly, the Fatherhood podcast. I want to say thank you to Jerry for coming on and talking so candidly about the IVF. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's obviously a very sensitive topic and it's really important that obviously you know, people come on things like this and share their experiences to kind of hopefully help other people feel comfortable about it. So thank you again. Yeah, and actually on that note, if people want to find out more about IVF and infertility, the fertilitynetwork.org is a great resource. So um, go check that out. If, and, and obviously also mybeehive.co.uk has loads of really great information and, um, and help there. So yeah, go check that out definitely. And uh, thank you, obviously, uh, importantly, to everybody at home who's listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, Keep yeah. Keep subscribing and downloading and rating and reviewing and all that stuff. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for at GoodDadUgly on either or both and you'll find us. And also, we have an email address. It's GoodDadUglyPod at gmail.com. Um, and if you have any questions or suggestions for topics or anything comments. like that or comments yeah you want to send us all that great feedback free stuff yeah free stuff yeah all of that get in touch get in touch get in touch get in touch, get in touch.